After two months of traveling, we finally made it to the West Coast. First, we stopped in Ojai, California for the wedding of some dear friends. And then we traveled up through beautiful Big Sur and Carmel by the Sea, which is so quaint, it kind of reminded me of England a little bit. I'm currently in a friend's spare bedroom in San Francisco with views of the ocean and the Golden Gate Bridge. And it feels like a real milestone to have reached California finally. It's also amazing to reconnect with friends after so many weeks of seeing only my husband and dog. Love them, but the extrovert in me was ready for major socializing. Anyway, this week I got to speak with travel blogger extraordinaire, Brenna Holman. Brenna started traveling solo in 2006 and has since been to 103 countries, chronicling her adventures along the way on her blog, The Battered Suitcase. What sets Brenna apart from other travel bloggers out there is her candid style of storytelling. Always personal, intimate, and inviting, her work immerses you. In this episode, Brenna shares the story of her first solo trip backpacking around Europe and the ways it ignited her career as a travel writer. We talk about her personal confessional approach to blogging, the ways travel sets the stage for falling in love, and the joy of moving home to Winnipeg, Canada, after living in Japan and the UK for many, many years. Welcome. I'm so excited to have you. So thank you so much for having me. I normally like to start off by asking, where did your love of travel originate? To be honest, I don't really remember where it originated. I just think it was always within me. It was just sort of ingrained from a very young age because my parents were so amazing at taking us. So I have a a sister and a brother as well. And, you know, just the road trips that we took, even if they weren't to the most exotic destinations in the world, you know, traveling from Winnipeg, Manitoba, we would often just travel, you know, to North Dakota or Minnesota or, but it was just so much fun to get out and, and see the world and, and see different parts of the world. And my parents also had this amazing travel background where they had always prioritized travel, even though growing up in Winnipeg with not a lot of money and they were struggling teachers, but they had gone in the seventies and lived in a van in Europe for two years. So just like, you know, the whole hashtag van life that is such a popular thing <laughs> now, they were actually doing that in the seventies and just, you know, tripping around. And, and so I heard all those stories and saw those pictures so from a very, very young age, I just became obsessed with geography and travel. And, you know, all of my early Christmas presents and birthday presents were atlases and, you know, National Geographic and things like that. So it was just, it was always in me. So I knew from a very young age that I would have to start saving to be able to travel. And at that point, my dream destination was Europe, just because, you know, I just, that's what I sort of focused on all through my teen years. And so right away, I think from age 13, I started saving, knowing that I would do a big backpacking trip after university. That's amazing that you had that planned from such a young age. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was just so important to me and such a big thing in my life that I was so lucky and so fortunate that my parents completely supported that as well. And that they were just like, yes, So my sister, she is three years older than me and she went at 19 and traveled around and and went to Mexico and ended up living in Mexico. And then she traveled all around South America. So I had these very strong role models in my life and people who completely understood wanting to spend your money on travel, prioritizing travel. And uh, I just feel so blessed because I know that there are a lot of people who don't necessarily have that support or have people in their lives who say, why would you spend your money on that? Or why would you take a year off from school? Or, you know, so that was never an issue for me. And I, I feel so privileged in that regard. Yeah, I feel like I have a similar background. My parents loved to travel as well. And it's interesting to me because these parents who instill that in their kids, it's a beautiful thing, but it's also, they kind of know that their kids are not going to stay close to home. It's like, I'm here. My brother is in Sydney. My other, my sister is talking about going to Canada and I'm like, oh, my mom, my mom and dad have got no one at home now. (laughs) Everyone's spread across the globe, but it is like a beautiful way to be raised for sure. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about Winnipeg. So for me and anyone else who hasn't been, what is it like paint Mm. a picture? You know, I think Winnipeg, has had a 
bad reputation in the past just for being, you know, being a smaller city and that there isn't a lot to do. And it's very, very cold in the winter. That's what people know about Winnipeg. But over the past couple of decades, I think that that has changed so much. And I can even just see it from growing up here. And then I left at 18 and then I moved back around age 35. And to see that incredible change in the city that has just become so vibrant and people have just really put in the effort to make it a really cool, fascinating place. You know, maybe this is just my perception of it because I was younger, I wanted to get away. So I thought I was bored here because I know that there always has been such a great sense of community and so many cool festivals and things to do. But I think I'm not alone in saying that there's been sort of like a renaissance of just you know, just amazing art opportunities and music and restaurants. Like we're known now in Canada as having some of the best cuisine in Canada. So it's this great little city. It's not that little, it's 750,000 people, but it still has that kind of small town feel sometimes in that, you know, we're known for being very friendly. And I love the fact, you know, I, before this, I lived in London for five years and to move here and to live on this gorgeous little street and I know all of my neighbors and everybody says hello there's just such a a friendly vibe to it and it's amazingly multicultural which I think is so cool and yeah there's just so much going on now and I've I've also really rediscovered the beauty of Winnipeg and you know no we don't have the Rocky Mountains or we don't have the Atlantic Ocean but we just have such beautiful landscapes to me that I think are really underrated in Canada. And I think that more and more people are are realizing that that they should add Winnipeg to their list of places to come in Canada um, just because of the natural beauty, the lakes we have. You know, if if you want to go camping and get away from everybody, you can. And you know, you can't say the same in some of the other provinces. You you can't do that in, in other parts of Canada. So I've completely fallen in love I would say again, but I think for the first time with Manitoba, even though I I was born and raised here, coming home, having seen part of the world and other parts of the world, to now come home and really appreciate just how beautiful it is, how friendly of a place it is, and then just how much there is to do. Obviously, we've all been pretty bored in the pandemic, but now that things are slowly starting to open up, just to get out there and see just what great communities are around and then to really explore it. So I definitely encourage people, you know, if you've never been to Canada or if you think, you know, the major places in Canada to look into Manitoba and to look into Winnipeg and, and see just, yeah, what a, I, I hate as a travel writer, I hate the phrase hidden gem, but I, I strongly, <laughs> yeah, same. Hidden gem, you know, that, uh, that more and more people are discovering just how great Manitoba is to come visit. It is so special as a traveler to you know leave your hometown and then come back and see how it's evolved and see it through fresh eyes and have a newfound appreciation for it but I think also a lot of people can relate to what you were saying about you know having a hunger to to go out and to see the world so let's talk a little bit about the trip was someone inspired by your parents and their travels so you just graduated right when you decided to take this trip oh so yeah no I just finished university so that was important yeah. to me I wanted to finish a university degree and so I was yeah, 21 yeah. but this whole time that you were like definitely planning this trip what did you have in your mind what was the itinerary you know to put it in perspective this was 2006 so it was also very different in that of course there was the internet but there was not at all the, you know the resources that we have today so I was having to do all this from guidebooks because I would look things up and it would be like these really weird forums or you know just like I was blogging at that point but I had a live journal you know so I didn't even know how to search for things or or what to search for so honestly a lot of what I did was looking through encyclopedias and atlases and looking at maps and reading through guidebooks. And I still have all of those guidebooks. I, even though they're so outdated, I just can't give them away because they're such a, you know, these sort of memories for me, these tokens where I just thought, well, I need to buy every guidebook there is, whether it's, you know, Rough Rides or Lonely, Lonely Planet, Planet or yeah. one. I literally bought every single company's guide to Europe and then just started planning. And I, 
just looked originally at flights and what was easy to get to, and then just kind of started to make my my way that way when I was planning ahead. I very quickly found out over those months that my strategy of planning every single stop months in advance was not going to work on a big trip like that. So, you know, I had everything planned. I knew that I was going to fly into Amsterdam and then make my way into Belgium and Luxembourg and then Germany. But then I think it was around Germany that I started to say, okay, I need to be a little bit more relaxed with this. And definitely looking, I think just because I was so eager and so excited that I completely overbooked myself, completely overplanned everything and thought, I'm going to go to every country that I possibly can. Oh, they're all so close to each other. Like coming from a big country like Canada, where, you know, it takes days to drive across the country, you know, to then say like, what? I can take the train in an hour. I can be in Slovenia or, you know, so I definitely did way too much and planned too much. But I think that it was perfect for just like a 21, you know, I turned 22 on the trip and to just kind of, yeah, baptism of fire kind of thing like just go crazy essentially and see it all because I certainly would not have the energy to do that kind of trip now but yeah I definitely planned quite a bit and really researched hostels and of course this was back in the day when I would have to call the hostels to book or email them like I think I think hostel world was just starting and I was picking up on that and I thought that was so cool that I could book But yeah, it was definitely a different kind of adventure where I feel now we are so used to just going on our phones and clicking something and, oh, this is easy. I can book this flight tomorrow. And when I get there, I can figure out, you know, I can look at this or, you know, I feel then also being a first time traveler and first time solo traveler, I was just trying to plan absolutely everything. But you know, again, I would never travel that way now, but looking back, it was the perfect thing for me at the time. Yeah. This reminds me of my first big trip, which I did when I was, it was between end of high school and before university. So I took like the gap year that a lot of people do. And I think we're around the same age. So I was living and dying by Lonely Planet and every hostel, there was no planning for me, really. I just walked into the hostel and said, do you have a spare bed? (laughs) It's just unfathomable now that you would never plan any accommodations ahead of time. But that's how I lived. (laughs) It's bizarre. I also love that you mentioned live journal. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's how I got my entire career start. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's interesting as well for for people of our generation because like you said we we grew up when the internet was really coming into its own and live journal was like a really unique thing that people mm-hmm. just now it's like a, a given that everyone will be on social media but at that point yeah. live journal was really the first step towards blogging so you've been you were like one of the OGs yes. you've been doing it since the very yeah. beginning <laughs> well and what's funny is it was even in university so I hung out with this you know I still maintain like it was a very cool crowd. I definitely did not feel very cool, but everyone was in a band, like everyone was in a punk band and, you know, it was, everyone was wearing, you know, like these feminist t-shirts and everyone was really into just like changing the world and, you know, down with the patriarchy. And I was thought just like, this is the coolest. Like, this is what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be around people like this. And everyone was on live journal. And I was not on MySpace. I wasn't online. I was very adamant, you know, and just thinking about like the outfits and stuff I was wearing. It was just, I'm so glad that I was part of that community. And so this was in Halifax, Nova Scotia. And my friend actually started a live journal for me because she was like, I'm insistent. You're going to do it. So I still have to give credit to (laughs) Shauna, my friend. She started this live journal for me when I was so like, I'm no, I'm not going to get involved. Like, I don't want to be online. And looking back, I don't think any of those people are still on you know, <laughs> blogging or doing anything. And now it's my whole career. So it's kind of funny how almost 20 years ago that, you know, somebody else started this and just where it took me and that I did document the entire trip, you know, no pictures, just giant blocks of text about my trip to <laughs> Europe, that this is what I was doing in 2006. Um, but you know, it was so cool. And I, I actually have here, I mean, people obviously can't, see on the podcast but I was going to show you as well like my journal from the trip as well I because I that. always kept my trips and so that was a way you know when I can look back and 
you know, just, I, I documented everything. And again, I don't think that like, I personally don't do that anymore in the same way I did it through in 2011, I did a year in, in Southeast Asia in 2012, I did a year in South America. And even by then the journaling and the, that kind of style of documentation was dropping off. And I would love to get back into that because I, I can remember those trips much more vividly because I was journaling yes. and logging in a way where I was just like, and then I did this and then I met this person. And I mean, I would never want to force readers to have to <laughs> go through that style of, of, you know, blog posts again, but just for my own memory, you know, I think now I just use my phone to take pictures of things, but I, like I look back at that Europe trip and there are some, some countries I took like 14 photos in the entire country kind of thing just on my you know my brand new digital camera but I was nervous about battery use because it, it still took um like actual batteries, batteries. <laughs> yeah so I was nervous about the batteries so I uh yeah with my probably like one gig memory card and it's just it's so different today so again I'm I'm really thankful for that style of travel and I don't want to take away from the style of traveling now but I just personally I feel very lucky that I experienced all of that, the beginnings of, you know, blogging and, and, uh, and travel blogging, essentially. Well, that's also something really interesting you touched on there about the idea that since now we all have these phones in our pockets that we can use to take photos, that maybe that's sort of replaced journaling to some degree, because I do the same thing. Like I was a real dedicated journaler when I traveled and then over time, I've just found it harder and harder to do that. But I think it's because I'm chronicling in a different way now. I'm taking way more photos, but it's not quite the same. Like I wish that I was keeping up with, with my journaling. Yeah. Like I'm on this trip right now, a cross-country USA trip with my husband and dog, and I haven't written nearly, nearly as much as I intended to. Yeah. But I think like it's interesting that you touched on that because your blog, The Battered Suitcase, I hadn't really read it before. I only recently came across it, but now I'm completely obsessed with it. Your writing is so good. Your voice is so distinctive and vivid. And I think there's a lot of blogs out there that rely more on photos, right? That it, it, There's a lot of stuff about content creators now. And I think that implies photography, but it's so nice to read somebody's blog where writing is really at the heart of that. And you truly are like a writer and a really gifted writer. And I'm interested in the fact that you know, you, you just share these incredibly personal stories. It feels like I'm reading your journal when I read it. So was that a conscious decision to create like a more confessional approach to travel writing or did that just naturally evolve from live journal and such? Yeah. You know, it's, I've just always written that way. Cause I just think, what do I want to read? Mm. Um, of course on my blog, I still have things that are, you know, things to do in this place and they're yeah. pretty standard because people still, they still ask for those kind of posts. And totally, want to they're useful. I, yeah. And I think, I always kind of think that I have sort of two audiences. I have the audience that comes through from SEO, from search engine optimization that are Googling what to do in this place. And they find my blog, they read the information, hopefully they find it helpful and maybe that's all. But I know I have this amazing readership that has followed me even from live journals, some people. And yeah, people who just really want to read the personal stories that are never going to rank in Google. They're never going to, you know, make me a ton of money in advertising or anything like that, but they are the heart of, of the blog and they're why I keep going. And I've always said, you know, now I'm lucky enough that I make money from blogging and that I can support myself through it. But I've always said that I would do it regardless of that because it means so much to me. And because I love writing so much that it's, I think, yeah, right away, you know, right from those early posts on live journal, I was always quite confessional and, and just sort of sharing because at that point it was just my friends reading it. And I still remember kind of figuring out like, oh, who's this that's following me or this person that's commenting. I don't know who this person Strangers. is. Looking. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, somebody in Oregon, like what? That's strange. And then slowly that grew. And even when I can look at those numbers, you know, the pandemic is, I've, my blog took a serious hit, like most travel bloggers, but at peak times when things were going really well to look and be like, oh, it's like a hundred thousand people read my blog this month. Should I not be writing about getting my heart broken and like, you know, getting drunk on beach and like doing this? Should I 
be a little more, you know, just <laughs> not so confessional, but that's my personality. That's who I am. I have always been very open with people and, and don't hide that. And I, I just know that so many people then have written to me to say, Oh, I can relate to this, or I had a similar experience, or, you know, this was really cool. And nobody's ever really written to me to say like, you know, I just need to tell you your blog post on things to do in this place was so helpful. Like, yeah, sure. I've gotten a few of those, but I've gotten far more emails and messages and comments from people saying like, Oh, your post that you wrote about getting your heart broken, you know, that resonated with me so strongly. I don't even particularly think that I'm, you know, I don't feel that I'm doing anything groundbreaking or that I'm even that great of a writer, but it's just like, I think just the honesty and I try to be vulnerable online. And I think so often, especially, you know, with travel blogs, a lot of it is just sort of, here's where to go. Here's what Mm -hmm. to do. And here are some photos. And I, you know, I think I'm an okay photographer. I, I really enjoy it. I love photography, but I just love the writing more. So I knew that that was going to be, yeah, as you said, the heart of the blog. And even now when I'm hired for campaigns, I know people want photography. They want, you know, in my contract, I have to sign and say, yes, I'll do this many Instagram posts. I'm going to do a reel. So I do have to step outside my comfort zone, but I always just try to emphasize the fact that it's going to be the writing that I'm, I'm, I'm targeting here. And, and that's, you know, if you want this style, then this is what you're hiring me for essentially. So I'm not going to give you the, you know, blow your mind with the photography that I'm doing. It is going to be more, hopefully the writing that's, that will set me apart from other people that maybe they're hiring, maybe, you know, they're hiring somebody to do video and somebody to do photography and then hopefully me for writing. Mm. And I think you can tell that when you write, it's from a place of authenticity And I think there's been this interesting thing that's happened over the last few years where content creators have cottoned on to the fact that being vulnerable will get views and likes and whatnot. And so there's a there's maybe a bit of false vulnerability going on or, you know, like mining, mining experiences for something that they can say. So during the times when you feel a bit of writer's block, how do you keep showing up authentically online? Unfortunately for me, I haven't written as much. Uh, The pandemic was like one long mm. writer's block for me because I was just, I was so devastated at losing a lot of what I'd worked for since 2003 and losing all my contracts, losing, you know, I had a really steady, solid writing job with a big travel company that was great pay. I loved it. I'd worked with them for seven years and just like lost that overnight. And then, as I said, my, my blog's readership just completely tanked as well. I know there are always the loyal people there that I'm so thankful for, but, um, to look and, you know, to see like what I was earning at one point and then earning almost zero at at one point last year, I, uh, I earned 37 cents in August of 2020. So that was quite the blow compared to, you know, making a very happy, comfortable salary only a few months before. So that kind of thing, it really messed with my mind because I, it wasn't just about the money, of course, it was more just like, have I lost my career? Have I now lost the ability? Am I going to have to start a whole new career in my late thirties? Just like so many people grappled with over the past year and a half, you know, and so many people have lost their jobs. It's just been devastating. And that, that really, and just, of course, the absolute devastation that all of the pandemic has brought in, in every regard. I found it very difficult to write and I'm still kind of coming back from that, but just also understanding the few times that I did write about how I was feeling again, there was that outpouring of this is what I'm feeling too, of the frustration, let's say with how our governments are dealing with things or the sadness at the loss that was happening worldwide, you know, all of these emotions, we were all collectively going through them. And I think when I remember that and say like, the thing that I've always thought, no matter how out there it may seem or how personal it may seem, somebody else is going through this too. You know, you can maybe feel very alone, but I think that one of the beautiful things about the internet is that you can find your community and you can find people who are experiencing the same things as you. And I think trying to remember that whenever I've sat down and thought, oh, I want to write this article about blank. 
but this seems really weird. Maybe I'm the only person who thinks that I always remember, no, there's somebody else who's going through this and somebody else who's thinking it. And I just know when I have, you know, done my late night Googling at 2 a.m., like saying like, why, you know, did this happen? Or, you know, I was dumped and I want to feel this way or whatever. And when I found those blog posts or when I found those forums of people sharing their experiences, how much it's helped me. So I think just always kind of reaching inward and thinking, okay, yeah, if I'm experiencing it, there's somebody out there who's experienced it as well. Or there's there are people who are just curious. You know, my my mom is an author, and uh, we always kind of joke that nobody wants to read happy stories. <laughs> like, That's so you know, true. If everything's just great. You know, like I'm sorry, I don't really want to read a blog where somebody's life is just perfect in the same vein that I don't follow a lot of Instagrammers who just have these perfect grids. You know, with their blissfully happy love life and their perfect job and all this stuff like that great I'm that's awesome that you have a lot of success and but I want to I want to read about the vulnerabilities and I want to read about well okay this interesting thing happened to you and how are you going to deal with it so mm-hmm. yeah I just think it's important here because we're all going through even those happy grids you know the, the happy they're going through stuff as well they're just yeah maybe not putting it out there so I always feel just yeah that that stronger sense of of being interested in somebody and and wanting to know more about them when they share that vulnerability. Mm. I think writers, you know, we're experience seekers and we're also often masters of our own narratives. Like even when something really messed up happens to me, there's a little part in the back of my mind that says, all right, but this is at least a good story. Like you can get the story out of this. You might write about this one time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I honestly that got been the driving force for me. It sounds maybe horrible, and but there have been times where I've been in my most desolate moments in life, and I'm like, oof. When I heal from this, this is going to be a good blog post. <laughs> like this is going to be, you know, the start of potentially like a a book or you know a series yeah. of articles. It's the hero's yeah, journey. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think as writers, that's just, we look at the world in that way Mm. and look at those details. And, you know, I think that that's part of the fun of writing is, is looking for those things and saying, okay, how can I take this and, and make it so that other people can read it and relate to it or learn something from it or whatever your goal is from, from the piece that you're writing. Mm. I also think it can drive some of our choices because sometimes we do something because we're seeking that thing to write about. Like, and I wonder if that's why traveling is so appealing to writers because we know that we're going to get so many stories, like just by being out of your comfort zone, by seeing new things and opening yourself up to new people, you know, that stories come with that. So do you, do you think there's part of you that began or like maybe that took this trip because you knew that you were going to start writing no, I don't know if that was a big motivator for me back in 2006. I think I was just so eager to travel and to experience new things. I knew I knew that yes, I would be writing about it. But I think it was just my wanderlust was so strong. I definitely think that I got to a point in my career and just in my uh life kind of from mid I want to say like 2014 to 2017-ish, I was perhaps on a bit of an unhealthy path in that I was often thinking, okay, my career was really starting to pick up. I was getting a lot of sponsor trips and, and people sending me different places. And I felt like I needed to say yes to all of them because it was like, oh, somebody wants to send me to France or wants to send me to the Caribbean. Like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm going to say yes, no matter what. And then when I didn't have those trips, then I would constantly be thinking, oh, I have a long weekend or I have this, I should be traveling, I should be going. And of course, living in London, it was much easier to travel than let's say now from Winnipeg. So I think that I was sort of almost competing. I think in a weird way. I don't even know if it was with anyone else, I think potentially just for myself. And I definitely got really into like finding places on Instagram and then thinking, okay, then I need to go to this place as well. And I feel that, you know, if, if the pandemic has really shifted my perspective there where now I'm like, okay, yeah, that's, that place is really beautiful, but 
I'm still, I'm good to stay in Manitoba for now. And, you know, and one day I'll, I'll get to go there and, you know, and I do have some more savings and things like that, but yeah, I, I definitely think that there was that motivation almost in a negative way for like, Oh, I need to go here so I can have more content, you know, instead of just kind of mining what I already had and the places that I'd already been. So I, I always look back at my time in London as fantastic. I was there for five years, but I definitely think I should have slowed down a bit and just sort of enjoyed, you know, more staying in the UK and traveling around the UK and, and not feeling such like this never ending drive to see more and to go different places just so that I could have the Instagram photo or just so I could write the blog post. I think there's a happy medium there. Definitely. So on this trip in 2006, the Europe trip, did you know at this point that you wanted to make a living out of blogging or was that not on your mind yet? I don't know if it was on anybody's mind yet in 2006. I'm sure there's going to be somebody listening who's like, yes, I knew that blogging was going to be lucrative and everything, but I don't, I don't really remember hearing about anybody making a living from blogging until... I think it was like 2012 for me that I realized that people were actually making money from it and that I could do that too. But I'm sure obviously there were people making money earlier than that. So no, I, I honestly just really loved it and thought it was really cool. I had no idea that people were getting paid. Yeah. I think it must've been 2011 or 2010 that I got an email from somebody saying, can I pay you to put a link on your blog? And I was like, what? And think I had the, you know, even then the feeling of like, that feels a bit weird to me. And, and I've never accepted a paid link ever in, you know, almost 20 years of blogging, but yeah, I had no idea. So to me, and I, I always use this line to me growing up and even in my early twenties, the thought of being a travel writer, it was like saying, Oh, I'm going to become an astronaut. It just seems so far out there to me. And the only travel writers I really knew were people like, Rick Steves, you know, and, and kind of these older, more established gentlemen. And <laughs> I, I just didn't know that, you know, a young woman could be going out and, and doing these things and writing. I don't know. I just, I had this view of a travel writer as being like just this rugged nomad, you know, who was always going all over the world and had a permanent position with Lonely Planet. And then, yeah, the blogging, I just, I just didn't have that foresight that it would become lucrative and then I could actually make money from it. And it still blows my mind. And it's still in 2021, pretty much every time I meet anybody new and explain what I do, they're like, but okay. And now of course, everyone just says like, oh, so you're an influencer. I'm like, Ooh, no, like sometimes I get paid for campaigns on social media, but no, it's not quite what I do. So, um, you know, it's, it's interesting that it's still such a, a new career. And when I was growing up, this career didn't exist. So that I think that is very cool that it's always changing. And I just hope that I can keep up with it because I still don't have TikTok and I really don't want to get it. So I'll <laughs> keep changing. Um, I think I, I solidly believe that, you know, people are always going to turn to Google and, and want to read. I just have that in my, in my mind. Maybe it's crazy. Maybe we will, we will all switch to just, you know, seven second reels and stuff like that. But no, I feel very strongly. There are still people out there who want to read. I'm one of those people, obviously. (laughs) I want the captions as well as the photos. So the trip that I mentioned earlier, I think it was the first Mm -hmm. time that I realized that there was such a strong backpacker circuit. Like Mm -hmm. pretty much any country you go to, there are going to be people doing similar routes to you. You're going to come across a lot of like-minded people. And sometimes those people you just connect with for the duration of a meal or a bus journey but sometimes you end up traveling with them or sometimes they actually like become a part of your life in some way in the future so can you tell us a bit about any people you met on the trip that were significant to you yeah I mean I've just met thousands of people over the years over all these trips that I've taken that you know, I just, I love it. I can look back at photos or, you know, even in this journal, I have everyone's email addresses written down because even then Facebook was yes. just getting started. And, um, so we were emailing to keep in touch. I'm like, Oh my God, now I don't even like 
text my best friends because I'm too lazy. (laughs) I was emailing a stranger that I met, you know, for a day hanging out with them in Croatia or whatever. Yeah. I've just met so many cool people and from all over the world. And it's just, to me, that's my favorite part of traveling is actually meeting other people and having those experiences. Um, On that particular trip in 2006, I didn't really travel with too many people. I sort of just met people in hostels and then I'd move on. I was very much on a solo journey versus other trips later on in life. I would go with the flow a lot more. So if I did connect with somebody and they were like, oh, actually I'm going to this. I was thinking about going to this place next. I'd be like, cool. Can I join? Whereas that trip, I felt it was so I had my schedule in mind and I knew what I wanted to do. I felt very independent, but then I did meet and I don't think that this person would ever listen or I don't know if he would ever hear this, but hopefully he's not offended that I'm about to tell our story. Um, but he's actually an American man who is around my age, but he was living in Copenhagen and we met on a ferry going from Copenhagen to Oslo. It was an overnight ferry. It was the World Cup at the time, World Cup 2006. So we were both trying to find a place to watch football. So I heard him asking us, I heard this American accent because a lot of the other people on the boat were Scandinavian. And I still, I can just remember it so clearly. And again, because I've written it down, it also Mm -hmm. in my mind. And I remember I was sitting, it was packed. Everybody was watching on, you know, wherever they were showing it on the ship. And I saw him walk into the room and there was a chair beside me. So I said, I motioned him, oh, do you want to sit down? And I didn't even at first glance, like I just thought, oh, he's an American guy. Like I didn't think anything of it, but we chatted and everything. And then we made plans to meet up again for a drink later. Cause we were the only, like, I didn't see any other backpackers. And he was actually traveling with his parents because his parents were visiting him. But he was like, yeah, yeah. Like let's meet up for a beer and just chat. And so we met up later and we ended up talking all night and it was midsummer in Scandinavia. So this guy, like the sun stayed up for a really long time, set and almost immediately came back up. It seemed like, you know, this beautiful pink sky and we we're sitting out looking out over the water on the boat. And I still remember it was just like, you know, out of a movie. And part of me even thinks like, did this actually happen? Or have I just now romanticized the story so often, but we were sitting for such a long time all night and there was a security card that had to walk around the whole whole ship basically and just kind of check. And I guess he passed us so many times and it was at this point, like, you know, four in the morning or five in the morning, the sun had come up and he said, you know, you've been talking all night, just kiss the girl. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> So we kissed on overlooking you know, the water and I was just like, you know, 22 and here's this handsome American with the sunrise. Like I was head over heels instantly. So I immediately changed my entire plan, changed the rest of my summer. I was supposed to go to, you know, Latvia and Lithuania. I didn't end up going. Um, I did go the following year, but yeah, changed everything. And we just like it's just that young love that now looking back, I, I'm so glad I experienced it. It was crazy. Cause it was just like, you know, insane fireworks. And we were talking, being in love with each other, you know, almost instantly. Yeah. So I changed everything. I ended up going back to Denmark to spend time with him and then changed all my plans because he was going to do surf lessons in La Hinch, Ireland, a very small little town. I believe on the West coast must be. And so went and spent time with him in La Hinch. And we were just like in this little B and B, you know, in Ireland, like it was all just so romantic and, you know, writing love letters to each other and everything. And then I was actually meeting up with my mom. We traveled through Spain and Morocco. He went back to Denmark. I had to go back to Canada. And then I came back and spent time with him in Denmark. We went to Greece. Like it was just, it ended up being the nine months that, that we kept in touch and traveled to see each other. And, you know, I, I met a lot of really cool people on that trip, but of course he always stands out as just this, it was my first real over the top love, you know, and just the stories that I have or the memories that I have of just being so blissfully happy and in Europe and, you know, drinking wine in parks and listening to live music and just the double 
feeling of number one being head over heels in love and number two being in Europe and everything just seeming extra magical. So yeah, he was definitely a person that will always remain in my heart in, in that way that, you know, it was just so sweet. That love. Oh, man. That is very romantic. <laughs> love that story. You've yeah. written a lot about romances you've had while traveling. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I completely devoured your series the last time I saw you, which for anyone who hasn't read it, it's basically like these little snippets of, of memories that you have of meeting different people along the road mm-hmm. and those interactions and those love stories, however like short or long they were. And it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing writing. I loved it. Do you think that we're more predisposed to fall fast and hard when we're traveling? I definitely think so just in seeing when I've been settled in a place like Winnipeg, how different <laughs> the dating can be. Um, it doesn't quite have the same ring to it when you're like trying to find parking, you know, on Pemina Highway versus <laughs> like meeting under the Eiffel Tower. Or <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think definitely there's that aspect of, because as I just said, in telling the last story, your senses are already heightened. So you're already like, wow, this is so beautiful. And this food is so good. And I'm you know, seeing this artist in the museum that I've always dreamed of seeing. And so you're already kind of, your synapses are already firing, you know, that, that things are, you just feel so great. And on top of that, then you throw in an experience potentially most likely with somebody who is not from the place you're from. So, you know, like when I, I spent some time in Italy and I met an Italian man and looking back, this sounds so harsh, but I'm pretty sure I was just attracted to him because he spoke Italian, his native language. But I was like, wow, you know, this is just so cool. And so amazing to, you know, he's speaking Italian to me and, oh, he knows, you know, a guy who owns a boat so he can take me out on the boat on, you know, the Italian Riviera. Like, of course, all that stuff then. Yeah. I'm going to then imagine my life living in Italy with this guy who, I'm not even sure what his middle name is. Like, of course I'm going to like start picturing these things that's because it's just, everything feels so, you feel like you're in a movie and you feel, you know, amazing. But I've had a lot of people say to me like, oh, just wait till you get home. And sure, there is some aspect of that, especially if you've just had sort of a short travel romance or met somebody that you were kind of interested in. But no, I've had relationships that, that came out of those, those meetings while traveling. In fact, until I'd moved to Winnipeg, you know, everyone, all of my boyfriends pretty much had been sort of born out of traveling and meeting somebody while abroad. Well, I guess in London too, I had a boyfriend there um, who was in London, but uh, yeah, so there's something to be said. I would highly recommend falling in love on the road at least once in everybody's life. Do these guys know that you're a blogger? And if so, do they have any, you know, trepidation about dating you? Are they, or are they attracted to the idea that they might end up in one of your stories? Um, They always know that that's what I do. And I'm always very open that I write about things, but uh, I don't think it really crosses any of their, you know, I don't think they worry about it or and I always kind of make it very clear it's not like I'm gonna be writing like oh last night you know so and so naming them and yeah yeah. no I've never named anybody outright I always change names and and often I even change things like nationalities or the way that they look and and stuff just so that nobody would ever be offended um I have had people reach out to me though and say okay yeah I don't know if you know that I still read your blog but I do and you just posted this story and I'm pretty sure that's about me. And I'm just like, Ooh, yeah, that was, but you know, I try never to write anything scathing or say, I try yeah. to write about the positive sides of it. And I'd say uh, they're pretty flattering. And if I were yeah. them, I would be flattered. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people have definitely known, but I, yeah, I write about relationships and people know that getting into relationship with me. So you'd think that they would be on their best behavior, but <laughs> I still always have lots of information to to work through. No, I don't think it's ever really put anyone off. And I'm, I'm definitely not, I think a big worry maybe for, I personally would really not want to date somebody who was kind of that stereotypical influencer of constantly taking pictures and needing to look perfect in order to, and, you know, a thousand pictures and in the same spot until they get the right one. Like I am not that type of person. And I would, I personally would struggle to date somebody who was that obsessed with that side of things. Um, 
that's it's never been an issue in any of my relationships no speaking of imagining yourself in Italy dating this guy I'd love to talk a bit about imagined lives because I think like you I've always had a hunger to see the world and I think that can sometimes make it difficult to feel truly settled in a place like I lived in New York up until recently for eight years. New York was always my dream city, a city I was totally in love with, still am, will fight anyone who tries to say that it's not the best city in the world. But I also know that I'm not done yet. Like I'm not, that I'll never be done. And I think, you know, spending some time in other places around the States, I just spent two weeks in Boulder. Mm. And there's something about spending a bit of time somewhere and imagining the person that you might be in that place. Like I think travel is a mechanism for meeting new sides of ourselves. It's easy to be like, what would Boulder Esme be like? I think she'd probably learn to rock climb. <laughs> you know, like it's that's so refreshing to know that you can still surprise yourself and there are still facets of yourself that could manifest. Do you mm-hmm. relate to that at all? Absolutely. I love that. Actually, I love that, you know, what you just said, and that it's a mechanism um, to find these different sides. And I think anybody who's traveled, whether it be, you know, just to the next town over or across the world, I think that you do, you kind of, first of all, you learn how independent and how confident you can be and self-sufficient you can be. And then, yeah, to see like, wow, I actually really love this. Like, for example, I was terrified of the ocean when I was younger. And then I just thought, you know what, I want to overcome this. And I got really into scuba diving and seeing that side of me. And then, you know, there was a very long period of time where I thought I'm going to move to Thailand or Honduras or something and become a scuba dive instructor and, and love this. And I just, I love, I would have never known that about myself unless I had traveled and, and tried it, you know, and I don't want to take away again. I always feel hesitant to say things like that in that I want to recognize the privilege I have to mm-hmm. have been able to travel because obviously not everybody can have those experiences. But again, I feel so privileged and so grateful that I have had those experiences to say, yeah, what if I did live here for a while and that I could see myself when I lived in Japan for two and a half years or living in London for five years, living in Edinburgh for a year, these different sides of myself and then to travel and say like, wow, I never thought that I'd love Argentinian culture so much and, and get really into it. And yeah, I think I've fantasized about living in just about every country I've, I've been to. And, you know, and I still think about that and, you know, I'm, I'm definitely settled in Winnipeg now for a while, just in, you know, my, with my family here and just even owning this house and, you know, my dog, you know, things like that. And just having all the friends, I think, I missed a lot of that because I left Winnipeg right at 18, went to university. I left right away. And pretty much since 2006, I've been on the road in some form or living abroad. And I've just, my life has felt very transient. So I think for now, I feel very happy to be here and to be settled. And I'm, I've actually started a new business that will be launching soon uh, with a couple friends of mine and uh, it's called road trip Manitoba. So it's roadtripmanitoba.com. I don't know when it's going to be actually live um, hopefully by November, December ish. And so it is going to be focusing all on Manitoba travel. Cause as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's just been so fascinating over the past year and a half of, I haven't left the province since January of 2020. So to really get to know the province. So I'm, I'm really excited about that going forward as well. And just kind of discovering more of Canada in general, but like you, I don't think I'll ever be done. Sure. I might have different periods of my life where I'm going to be spending more time in Canada right now, but I'm already looking ahead, you know, in when I will feel, you know, safer going abroad and, and spending time like, okay, you know, I've always dreamed of going to Madagascar and I've always wanted to go here or even just things like, you know, the other night I was researching hotels to go to with my mom in Mexico for next winter and things like that. Like I just, I always will be looking up travels and dreaming of travels. So no, I, I would never say that I was done traveling and, you know, cause I, I love that. And I love, I'm 37 now, but who knows where my life might take me. And, you know, I feel everybody can hopefully say that about themselves, that, that to look forward and say, 
I might visit a place and have it transform me. And maybe I choose to live there or maybe even just take part of that home with me or take that, you know, what I learned about my own personality home with me. So I think that that's such a beautiful aspect of traveling. So I look forward to traveling for the rest of my life as long as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. So how do you feel that your life would be different now if you hadn't taken that trip to Europe all those years ago? You know, I have thought about that where, because I thought, and when I got home from that trip, I actually moved to Toronto briefly and I was trying to get into publishing because I thought that I'd wanted to work in publishing. And I ended up taking a few publishing internships and uh, to make money because I couldn't live off of internships. I also had to work kind of office jobs. And I still remember I was offered this salary, which was horribly low for a full-time job in, in Toronto. And that I would be sitting in a windowless room, you know, as a, an assistant. And I just thought, okay, this is it. Like I, you know, I guess I should take this and I guess I should do this. But I had seen already, you know, those few months of traveling and I just couldn't shake that feeling that I felt more alive and more like myself. And then I thought I need to take this risk to see if I can keep doing this. And how can I make money, you know, like, and over the years, all the odd jobs I've taken in order to support the traveling, you know, bartending and serving and retail and babysitting and all these things. And I just think I wouldn't at all be who I am today if it weren't for that trip and weren't for taking that first step, because that trip then also led to all the other trips that I took and that I just kind of kept going and got more and more confident about traveling solo and, and, you know, just wanted to see more and more of the world. And I think the more you travel, you know, you meet other people and they say, Oh, have you ever been to this place? Like, no, I've never even heard of it. And yeah, I just, I credit that trip. You know, when you, when you asked me to think about the trip that changed me, I was thinking about all the recent trips that I've taken and how cool they've been and how much I've loved them, but they all roads lead back to that first, you know, putting on the way too heavy backpacks, you know, stuffed with way too much stuff, you know, back in the spring of 2006. And when I got on the plane to Amsterdam that I just, that changed the direction of my entire life. So I, it's almost scary to think about who I would have been without that, because I wouldn't have my career. I wouldn't have, you know, all the memories I have from traveling. I wouldn't have met so many people who are amazing friends in my life now. So yeah, it just, it, it changed everything for me. It really did change the entire course of my life. Oh, Brenna, I've had so much fun talking to you. It's been lovely. Yeah, me too. <laughs> no, it's nice chatting with you. Where can people find your beautiful work on the internet? Uh, so my blog is called This Battered Suitcase. Um, so this, not ah or the or anything. <laughs> there are a lot of others out there, a lot of imitations. No. Um, so yeah, it's thisbatteredsuitcase.com. And uh, on Facebook and Instagram, I'm This Battered Suitcase. And on Twitter, which I don't use very often, it's Suitcase Brenna, which I do not like that name, but it, this bar suitcase didn't fit. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, those are kind of the, the, I use, uh, Instagram the most I would say, and, and Facebook, but definitely the blog is where the heart of everything is. Lovely. Before you go, I've got a few quick fire questions for you. Okay, sure. What's the one thing you believe every person should experience in their lifetime? Mm, I think uh, a solo trip. I think a solo adventure. Maybe that's not, you don't have to go far again. Maybe it's just, you know, somewhere. But I think to experience, as I was saying earlier, learning that how much you're capable of on your own um, and just how beautiful it can be to kind of get to know yourself and to travel on your own again, even if it's just a camping trip, a local camping trip, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, massive or for many weeks or months or anything like that. But I think uh, that's a really beautiful and interesting 
part about being human is to actually just spend some time on your own and see what that's like. And so I think love and happiness and of course, all these other things I want everybody to experience in their lifetime. But I think if we're, you know, keeping it in the travel vein, I think everyone should try, yeah, a a solo trip, whether big or small, and just see how, how capable you really are. What's the one thing you never, ever travel without? Well, aside from all the, of course, the basics, the the passport and the phone and all that, I do still take a journal with me, even if it's just a small, really small little notebook, because I do still try to write down those moments that can't be captured with a camera. And even if we're, you know, trying to take as many pictures as we can on our phones or videos, you know, just like a funny little interaction that happened at the marketplace or somebody you met really briefly. I just think those are the little memories that shape a trip. And as much as we say, we're never going to forget them. We do, or we, you know, much like the security guard story, like maybe it it morphs into something else, but I I do always travel with a notebook and a pen. And I always take a book with me because I love reading and I love reading in different places because then I I just feel like I connect with the story in a different way. So yeah, those would probably be the two that I never leave without. Do you have a book recommendation? It's funny that you say that because somebody else asked me this recently and I've read, I think like 65 books this year. And then whenever anybody asks me that, um, (laughs) I'm like, have, can I even name a book in the world? So um, no, I've read some some really good books uh, this year. My favorite book I've read so far is by Colson Whitehead. It's called The Nickel Boys. Hmm. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for, it's not a beach read or anything like that. It's it's a very heavy, very sad, heartbreaking book, but it was just so beautiful that, yeah, I wouldn't necessarily bring it for just like a fun read on the plane kind of thing. But uh, another great book I read was Sorrow and Bliss by Meg Mason and... Oh, I have I have a whole bunch, but of course I'm can't remember any of them. But yeah, I would definitely say just in general, um, though not necessarily a travel book, I would say the Nickel Boys was the best book I've read this year. If you could teleport anywhere just for the day, where would you go and what would you do? Instantly, I just think I would teleport to see my mom, to be honest. <laughs> but uh, because she's in Toronto. But thankfully I am going to see her in a couple of weeks' time. So Sorry, mom, you'll have to wait for the the teleportation for the day. Uh, I think at this point, I would love to just be teleported. I know it sounds pretty typical, but just to a beautiful beach and eat really great fresh seafood, you know, rum cocktail, watch a beautiful sunset, be able to go swimming, be with the people I love, read on the beach, like just a day that because I haven't you know, had that experience in, in a couple of years. And um, obviously again, that's, that's such a, a privilege on a beach holiday, but yeah, I just, that's definitely when I think about that, I just like, I can feel my body like melting, like, Oh, that would just be so incredible. So yeah, I don't know specifically which beach I would go to, but just like it has the ocean, white sand beach, some palm trees. Like I'm happy. <laughs> Top tip for aspiring travel bloggers definitely read, you know, take the courses if if that's something that you're interested in. And definitely if you are after making it a career, then yes, you have to know things like search engine optimization. You have to have a blog that is running smoothly. You have to have a blog that is informative and helps people out. And that when they're Googling, they find you and, and agree and like the information you're providing. That being said, remember that there's a whole other group of readers that you can have and that will be loyal to you. You know, I, as I said earlier on in the conversation, I'm sure there are lots of people who come to my blog once, read it and leave, but the people who are really going to be there and who are going to really support you when you do go on campaigns, when you, you know, if you want to sell a product or write a book or start a Patreon or even on your social media, the people who are really going to be there are the people who are following you to hear your story. So make sure, yes, have that SEO, have, you know, do all the the business quote unquote things that the people say to do, but make sure to put some articles on your blog that are about you and that share your journey and your experiences and share some of that vulnerability because, I really strongly believe that there are two readerships and it's important to make sure that you have quality 
blog posts and quality content for both. Mm. Um, Cause certainly that second readership has been what's propelled my entire career and been there for me through my entire career, the ups and downs. And, and uh, yeah, I'm just so thankful for that group of people. And, you know, you can have only a couple hundred of those people, but they're the ones who are going to be really supporting your website, sharing things, buying your products. And, you know, yeah, like even a Patreon, if you could get 200 people paying, you know, five or $10 a month to read your stuff, then that's a great start to a career right there. So great tips. And finally, which destination is next on your bucket list and why? Um, well, as I said, I'm going to Toronto soon. So that's going to be the first time that I'm leaving the province in almost two years. But uh, if I had a dream place to go, again, I know it sounds kind of cliched, but I have never been to Antarctica. I'd love to go to Antarctica. I think there's such beauty in the landscape there. Um, I have actually really learned to love the cold um, in coming back to Winnipeg and, and seeing beauty in the cold and in that kind of landscape. But yeah, then the other places I I just would love to go to Malawi, Mozambique, and Madagascar. Those are three countries in Africa that I've always really dreamed of going to and may as well throw in, you know, Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan and a few of the stands as well, like, and then also Fiji. And so, <laughs> yeah, there are quite a few that are up there for me, but uh, I think if right now, if there was, you know, like a genie who could grant me any travel wish, then I would choose Antarctica. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This was great to chat to you. So yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, it was really fun. I'm looking forward to reading much more of your blog because I'm like very much hooked now. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope you liked it. We'll be back in two weeks time with more inspiring travel stories for your ears. In the meantime, you can learn more about us by visiting fulltimetravel.co or following us on Instagram at full underscore time underscore travel. If you have a story you want to share on the trip that changed me, drop us a line and please be sure to rate, review and follow so we can keep this adventure going.